with SBS Radio. We often hear about new policies and programs that promise to improve the lives of Australians. But what about the issues that are too stigmatised and seem to be too taboo for policymakers to address? I'm Brooke Young, and this is the Too Hard Basket. In this episode, we dive into the topic of disabilities in elderly Australians and the financial, physical and mental toll it takes on their families. With the National Disability Insurance Scheme not covering anyone who suffers a disabling injury over the age of 65, many are left scrambling for funds to pay for the care they need. But whose responsibility is it to ensure our elderly Australians have enough support? Where should the funds be coming from? And what shifts in policy are needed to ensure age is not a barrier to help? I just couldn't believe that here I was, I'd become paralysed and there was no support for me. There was no help, there was no support and that we had to do this ourselves. The stress and change in your life are the people that are close to you. I mean, it's not only your life that's tipped upside down, it's their life. And um, particularly if they've got to undertake carers' roles and their life is not the same. To let these people in the last years of their life watch their family, you know, going, getting tired and, you know, we try, try and keep him as, as happy as we could and, you know, but you could see the frustration in him himself. Helen, John and Bobby have all experienced the serious toll that living with a disability can take. It's not just on those who have the disability themselves. The lives of those around them also change forever. And with no NDIS funding for those who suffer a disabling injury over the age of 65, caring and financial responsibilities can fall directly on the shoulders of their loved ones. With such emotional, physical and monetary stress, people like Helen, John and Bobby are desperately calling for increased government support. Helen Bonning lost the use of her legs after undergoing pelvic radiation treatment for cancer. She considers herself one of the lucky ones who has the endless physical and emotional support of a partner. My husband is my rock and um, he does all the shopping, he does all the cooking and yeah, he, he's, my, he's my absolute rock. But I know that there's others in situations that are not so fortunate as that. For John Connolly, he became a paraplegic at age 70 when he fell in his father's garden and landed on a pole that gave way, causing him to tumble two metres on his head and break his neck. He too says he is blessed to have a beautiful family around him. I had nine months in hospital, seven months in bed, and it was a whole new world. As I said, I'm very lucky I had the support of those people that I mentioned, you know, wife, brother, sons and so forth. But... Um, and then you've got to work out how you're going to live the rest of your life. And you only realise once it's happened just how incredibly expensive and labour-intensive it is to um, live in a lifestyle that you may have had or to stay out of one of the institutions, an aged care facility. Bobby Fisher's situation is slightly different. She herself was the primary carer for her late husband, Chris, 
who became a paraplegic when he was aged 69 after a tragic fall that resulted in a spinal injury. Needing 24-hour support, Bobby had to go on a carer's pension of around $900 a fortnight, so that she could look after her husband. And it put immense pressure on the entire family. Affected all of us, like our son and our daughter and the grandchildren, a 14, a 13, and a 10-year-old. They'd come and help when they could to put their their part to bed, you know. And the effect that it was taking on them to see that their once very active physical par, you know, couldn't do anything. Mark Townend, CEO of Spinal Life Australia, says these disabling accidents would undoubtedly be stressful for any family. So just imagine your parents over sixty-five. One of them has a, has a barbecue at home, falls over, quadriplegic. You're going to feel obliged to help them out, to help them get out of bed every day, to help make sure they go to the toilet without defecating in their own bed. You're going to help them actually have a shower. You've got kids of your own age. It puts huge, huge pressure on your family. Then you're going to have all the other flow-on effects. There could be marital issues, domestic issues,、uh, mental mental health issues, on all that other family around that. One injured person. Despite such loving and supportive families, Helen and John both say the mental and financial toll of living with someone with a disability is keenly felt by carers. It does change your relationship. It makes it a different type of a relationship, and you know you're dependent on that person, totally dependent. I mean, I couldn't manage if he wasn't here. The impact of your injury does affect a lot of other people.、It、compromises their work, their lifestyle. And you know, and how they're going to live their life. So the knock-on effect from an injury such as mine affects all your friends, all your family, and、um, and if you put on top of that the incredible financial stress, and if you're not an NDIS, then that that can be quite overwhelming. Australia's National Disability Insurance Scheme, or NDIS, offers financial support packages for people with a disability. Unless they're over the age of 65, when they suffer a disabling injury, then they're funded through the government's My Age Care services, which offer all elderly Australians access to in-home care, home care packages, or residential aged care. Jennifer Smith Merry is a professor of health and social policy at the University of Sydney, and the director of the Centre for Disability Research and Policy. I think that、um, one of the problems with the age cutoff. With the NDIS and why it's an issue is that、um, the NDIS has become an oasis in a desert. So you you get these policy innovations which are fantastic, and then everyone's desperate to be in them because the things around them seem not very good in comparison. And I think that's what happened. That's what's happened with the NDIS、um, and aged care. So if you do, if you're if you're in the NDIS by the time you're 65, you get something that looks pretty amazing. If you're not in the NDIS, you get something that looks a little bit different and is does not have access to the same sorts of、um, supports. And so, therefore, the NDIS looks really desirable. NDIS Minister Bill Shorten has spoken to the media on this exact issue. There are people in the community who say that、uh, the quality of disability care after the age of 65 is inferior to the quality of disability care before 65, and I think they have a point. The NDIS was originally set up、uh, between 2010 and 2013 to fill what was the gap at that time. As we were campaigning to create the NDIS from 2007 onwards, we saw there were aspects of aged care back then. 
which was superior to the disability care which was fragmented in all the states. The problem is, of course, there's been uh, nine years of coalition government since then, and almost uh, despite the challenges of the NDIS, the tables have turned a bit, and aged care has sort of, in, in parts of its operations, fallen in a rut. And NDIS, despite all of the challenges, is still a scheme which looks better for people in aged care than what they have. Helen turned 65 just six weeks before the NDIS was rolled out in her suburb, meaning she was too old to benefit from the scheme. Instead, she was assessed by My Aged Care and found to be in need of a Level 2 package, approximately $16,000 a year. Her manual wheelchair cost her around 17000 They say, well, NDIS isn't there to replace existing supports. Well, the existing supports is My Aged Care and it's just woefully inadequate to look after someone who has a disability. Um, there's four packages, and each package is a different amount of money, whereas NDIS you get an individual plan. Though her provider told her she should try and apply for a higher package, that's not possible unless Helen's circumstances change. My age care looks at, oh, yeah, who's around you, who can help you, who can look after you, and they just see my husband as my carer. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get a package that's kind of worthy of paying for carers or cleaners or anything that I need, plus all the equipment that I'm going to need. For many Australians who find themselves as full-time carers, such as Bobby, the funding is not even close to what is needed. We cut our funding back, our care back to seven and a half hours a week so that I could leave money in the package that if I got sick or one of my children and we couldn't get a carer to come that day to help us get Chris out of bed and do all his personal needs, um, there would be money there to, to have someone with Chris because he could not even um, lift his arms. He couldn't do anything for himself. Mark Townend from Spinal Life Australia says many elderly Australians are feeling abandoned by the government. Don't forget, these people fought for the war. They could have fought in that age group, the Vietnam War. They've paid taxes all their life. And they expect in a humane country they'd have the basic services. We all would think that the government, we know if you fall off the perch with the government, they normally pick you up in Australia, not like other countries, but not for not if you're over 65. Helen feels this keenly. It was more that feeling of just, you know, just feeling like you've been rejected. I mean, you sort of, you worked all your life, both of you, and you, you pay tax and you just assume that if something goes wrong, you're going to be looked after. But actually, no, you're not. No, not to the level that you need. The federal government has this year launched an official review of the NDIS and its services. But Minister Shorten says lifting the age barrier is not on the agenda for the review. When Parliament created the NDIS, it was to deal with the gap in disability and gap for services younger than 65. What happens to people over 65 is the preserve of the aged care system. That's certainly not to say we couldn't do more and shouldn't do more for people with disabilities over 65, but lifting that gap is not the focus of this review. Mr Shorten adds that the potential inclusion of over 65s in the scheme would put additional pressure on the NDIS's already stretched budget. Official forecasts show its annual cost is poised to double to $60 billion by 2030. Professor Smith-Merry agrees that the cost of the NDIS does need to be acknowledged. At the moment... We're having uh, a public conversation about cost, which is actually quite reasonable. We need to have a conversation about cost because we can't just say 
everyone gets everything all the time because that's not feasible for for the entire population. If we keep underestimating the cost of the NDIS, then it's going to keep being an issue that is brought up time and time again. And ultimately, it will destabilise the NDIS and it will destabilise any efforts in order to um, improve the lot of people who are older than 65 and need those supports. But she says that does not mean that elderly Australians with a disability should be discriminated against when it comes to government funding. I think the best way of moving this conversation along is to take it back to functional needs across the lifespan. So we look at what people need based on what their functional needs are rather than arbitrary categories of eligibility, um, which are things like, you know, permanent disability lasting um, a lifetime uh, or this person is aged under 65 or this person is aged under 18 or whatever it is, those arbitrary cutoffs breed inequity. The WHO has a classification system known as the International Classification of Functioning, being used increasingly in Australian policies. Professor Smith-Merry says it focuses more on a person's individual functional needs rather than their generic diagnosis. So it moves from diagnosis to to functioning and if you apply that across the lifespan you can say oh well whether someone is 85 and needs a walker or someone is 60 and needs a walker you provide the you provide the walker because they need it because of their functional needs so I think that's that's a framework that we can use in policy that that would sort of deal with that parity. For both Helen and John coming to terms with having a disability is difficult Helen wants those in leadership to understand the financial stress that families like hers are put under when someone suffers a permanent injury. Well, I would like someone to sit down with us and go through what it is that we spend every year, what it is that it takes to support someone with a disability, what it takes to pay for the equipment that we need. For John, moving forward is about acceptance in oneself, but it's also about easing the burden for loved ones. You don't get it till you're in the position how labour-intensive dealing with someone with a disability is, the impact it has on them, both socially, you know, you know mentally, um, physically, financially. It's massive. So all the assistance a person with a disability can get is a, it's a real help to a family and friends. Bobby promised her husband Chris before he passed away that she was going to keep pushing to increase care funding for elderly Australians with a disability and for their loved ones who become full-time carers. He was a plasma donor every fortnight. Um, He worked hard for the community and in the Lions Club. You know, we both helped people all the time, you know, and it's just not fair to see these people not given the dignity and the respect Professor Smith-Merry says the way forward is to have a system in place that cuts through age as a barrier so that all Australians, no matter their phase of life, can access the individual help that they need. We need to have a system where we're looking... um, It's not based on diagnosis, it's not based on age, it's based on what are people's needs and what do they need to flourish and have a good life at whatever age they are. Brooke Young... SBS News.
Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.